This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. We speak about the tightening legislature and regulations on tobacco and tobacco products. Parliament is reviewing the government's proposed anti-smoking law which recommends a fine or imprisonment not exceeding six months or both for smoking or vaping in front of children or non-smokers, be it in a room, a car or any public space outdoors. So this would then mean that even if you're outdoors in a public space, that you cannot smoke or vape um, at all. And the health ministry Brief, the Health Ministry's briefing to Parliament's Portfolio Committee on Health told members of Parliament that among the strict measures the Tobacco Products and Electronic Delivery Systems Control Bill proposes are health warnings with graphic pictures on the packaging of all tobacco and re- related products. Let's speak to Dr. Sharon Nyatanza, who is the National Council against, who is from the National Council against smoking. Um, And she will just speak to us, of course, about this particular bill and what it would then mean should it go forward. Dr. Nyatanza, thank you so much for your time. Good evening. So, I mean, if this bill is actually passed, what could it mean? So, yeah, so you raised, uh, I think, a couple of the issues that come up in the bill. But I would say um, the key things that the the, the bill is trying to do is, uh, firstly, Smoking won't be allowed in indoor public places. So we're talking about places like restaurants, um, places like hospitals, schools. You cannot smoke if it's an indoor public area. Definitely, there will also be outdoor areas that will be targeted, mainly where people converge. So you can have, for example, a stadium or a school ground is outdoors, but it becomes public in the sense that a lot of public a lot of a majority of the public is um conveyed in that area. A second thing that the bill is doing is to regulate e cigarettes. Um currently they are not regulated at all. So currently they can be sold wherever, they can be marketed in whichever way. No one can limit how much nicotine can be in the in the products, etc. So the bill actually is the first time that South Africa tries to regulate how these products are marketed and sold. Um, thirdly, we also have picture health warnings. Instead of saying causes smoking causes cancer, we actually have a picture that corresponds to that message. What does it mean? What does it look like when you say smoking kills? Um, these are some of the key things that the bill actually comes in place to tighten, to try and definitely reduce the level of full smoke, but more importantly, to try and stop as much as many kids as we can to try and stop them even before they start. Mm. I mean, if the smoking indoors, I mean, if you say like in a restaurant, so even that um, that section that had actually been, you know, that is often, what is the right word, a cordoned off or closed off, yes, right, yes. Um, for smokers, even that will then have to go. Yes, that section definitely will have to go. Um, we have studies from, from scientists at the University of Pretoria who did research in some of the restaurants with that kind of section, and they found substantial high amounts of secondhand smoke even in the non-smoking section. Because what they've been finding is that even closing off, 
does not protect the non-smokers. When you open the doors, you know, uh, out and in, when even the workers who work in that area have to go into that space. So basically, it's not it has not been working at all in trying to uh, reduce exposure of secondhand smoke to the non-smokers. Hmm. What are the dangers? Um, I know that it's, they're also trying to, you know, stop e-cigarettes as well or people smoking e-cigarettes. What are the dangers thereof? Yes, yeah, so you know the you know the, what the bill is trying to do is trying to 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 reduce the number of children who start to use e-cigarettes. Um, it doesn't ban, so adults can still use e-cigarettes. Because what we currently are having in the country is without regulation, we're seeing a high number of the high number of youth among you know the kids. With a study which we just come came out of uh, of UCT, which shows that about three in every ten of high schoolers who were surveyed are using vapes, and actually. 25% of them cannot go through the school day without vaping. Not that they want to, not that because it's cool, but they're already addicted. So we are having a problem with that. And the, what what we're seeing is that when they start using uh, vapes or when they start vaping, they actually are more likely to continue to actually go on and use the normal traditional stickers as well. Mm. And we know that this is, this is harmful for their, for their health. We know that this is an issue of addiction. This is an issue of basically creating a whole you know, generation of nicotine addicts. So definitely all efforts have to be done to try and prevent that from happening. Mm. I mean... This bill, right, um, of course, it's it really just to try and protect people's health, if I hear mm. it correctly. Um, do you also see it that very way? Yes, it really is a, it's, it's basically promoting people's health, but I would say also more than that. It's also about people's rights. Um, we have a lot of, at the National Council of Smoking, we get a lot of complaints from non-smokers, for example, who live in apartments. If someone is complaining, you know, someone above me or my neighbor is smoking in such a way that I can't even stay in my own apartment. Mm. And previously, or actually up until now, there's no law to protect them. So it's not only about the health, but it's also about even the rights of people as well. That's really what the bill is trying to do. Mm. I mean, so we are also going to see a ban on the sale of um, cigarettes or yeah, tobacco products at vending machines with a stern warning on cigarette packaging. What would that stern warning look like for you, Dr. Nyatanza? So, yeah, this, you know, the warning, uh, um, other countries, I think over 30 countries right now in the world, uh, instead of just saying, you know, putting a text warning, a word warning, we'll start to see graphic pictures. That is what the stern warning basically means. Obviously, we now know what tobacco does. So the, the, even the warnings that we do have, the text ones, they already talk about the cancers, you know, the you know the, the diabetes, the heart disease, the strokes that come from using tobacco. But with the ten warnings, it really is moving it from a, a text-only message to make sure that actually it's graphic. That we talk about and talk about tobacco, smoking causes, uh, you know, increases the risk of miscarriages. What exactly does it mean? So it really is a move to pictorial warnings, graphic warnings, and that really has been the move that has been taken by. Um, the majority of countries globally. Mm. Let me bring in Dr. Jose Litabe. He is the Africa Harm Reduction Alliance president. Dr. Litabe, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. You are opposing this very bill. Why? 
good evening to you and to the listeners. Uh, we are not opposing the bill. We are suggesting that the bill be appropriate for the times mm-hmm. and the bill provide truthful information to users. We have absolutely no problem with all measures that are being taken against combustible cigarettes. We support the FCTC as adopted by the WHO in 2003 with respect to combustible cigarettes. But from 2013, there have been other products outside combustible cigarettes in the rest of the world. And in Sweden, from 1977, they've had what they call snooze widely available in their market. And the problem with tobacco, the most harmful way to get your tobacco is by combusting it. And all the issues that have been raised and all the efforts about uh, health warnings, uh, labels, etc., for combustible cigarettes, we are not opposed to it. Mm-hmm. We would like to see cigarette companies move from combustible cigarettes, which is the most harmful way of getting your nicotine, to less harmful ways of getting your nicotine. So, so, so let us be clear about that. Okay. What we are against is people bundling, saying all the other alternatives are just as dangerous as combustible cigarettes, which is not true, which the science does not bear that. Saying that uh, heat not ban e-cigarettes and snooze is as harmful as combustible cigarettes. It's like people that were saying the world is flat. Dr. Nyatanza, I mean, you hear what Dr. Litape says, you know, about the combustible cigarettes and the non-combustible cigarettes. Um, what do you make of what he says, you know, the one being more harmful than the other? Dr. Nyatanza? Are you still there, Dr. Nyatanza? All right, it seems we have lost her. Um, Dr. Okay, well, well, while you're yes. still getting Dr. Natanza, yes. let me just explain to you. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., where they, they, they rely on science, they rely on evaluation, okay? Snus, which is a product of Sweden, mm-hmm. was basically loose tobacco that has been pasteurized, that has been put in a tea bag, has been allowed to make a healthy claim in the U.S. market mm-hmm. based on scientific tests done by the FDA. So they've been allowed to put on snooze that it is less harmful, poses less harm to your health than combustible cigarettes. Secondly, heat not bad, which is an electronic device that heats up tobacco and does not combust it. They've been allowed to put the claim of reduced exposure because the harmful constituents of combustible cigarettes are greatly reduced based on the science that was delivered to them. Thirdly, there are certain vaping products, e-cigarettes, that have been passed through by the FDA based on the science that has been provided, the scientists inside the FDA evaluating that and registering them as such. In the UK, the health system is offering people that are addicted to nicotine through combustible cigarettes to come to the health system 
to swap their cigarettes for e-cigarettes. In Japan, 2015, they introduced heat, not ban products. You go and look at the figures. The figures of combustible cigarettes has decreased by 30% since 2015. Heat not banned products have gone up. The use of nicotine, the prevalence of, of the use of tobacco and tobacco-related products has gone down. So all the things that you hear about gateways are disproven. So let us not conflate issues. Do you remember in HIV and AIDS? When people were saying ARVs are dangerous, etc., etc., all we advocate is like let's have regulations based on science, not on belief systems. And nobody is saying these alternatives are harmless; they are less harmful. Mm. Just like you know, when diabetics don't take sugar, try to take your tea without sugar. But if it is too bitter, use a sweetener because it is thought to be less harmful, mm. not that it was harmless. So, so, so let, let, let's be clear. What we cannot do is at this stage go back to protecting combustible cigarettes. And all countries that ban the less harmful products, the risk-reduced products, are seeing an increase in the incidence of use of combustible cigarettes. So the gains that we have made from implementation of the FCTC and the Empower program from the WHO are now being reversed because people are resorting to not, to being economical with the truth about comparing risks between different products. You know, it's, it's like somebody saying to you, uh, mm -hmm. Castle Light, is more how it will get you more drunk than black labor. Mm. And castle light is just meant to make you consume more. And castle light is a pathway to black labor. We, we can't be making inflammatory statements like that that are not based on fact. Let us give people credible information. Let us give people choices. I'm a physician. The first choice is if you smoke, quit. But we're talking about 1.1 to 1.3 billion people that know that combustible cigarettes are harmful, but are addicted to them. Mm. We've been offering them nicotine replacement therapy since around 2003, when nicotine replacement therapy was made available. Now suddenly, other nicotine alternatives, we now start lying that saying nicotine is actually dangerous. When nicotine is a stimulant like caffeine, Let's not get into misinforming the public. Let's not get into trying to make choices for people. Mm. Let's make alternatives available. Let's make them affordable. Let's make them accessible so that people can that can quit can switch from the most harmful way of getting their nicotine. Let's make cessation clinics readily available. Let's uh, provide in our clinics, clinics where people that are addicted to cigarettes can go for assistance yeah. so that they can get the psychological therapy that they need, their sensors that they need, and their education on the alternatives.
let us not medicalize the alternatives. Mm. Because cigarettes are not a prescription. They are a social habit. Let us give them information so that they must still at their own cost have a choice of less harmful products that some of them are able to help them quit nicotine altogether. All right. Let's... See, with vaping, yes. you can choose the concentration of nicotine. You can keep decreasing it gradually until you get zero nicotine and you stop vaping. Let me bring in Dr. Sharon Nyatanza. She's the National Council from the National Council Against Smoking. Dr. Nyatanza, you hear what Dr. Letlape is saying there um, regarding, you know, the one being more harmful than the other. And this was the question that I was going to ask you before um, we lost you. Just your response then to that. Yeah, you know, I think you raised a very important point when you talk about we should not misinform people. You know, the e-cigarettes products themselves, I think it's important to know that they're actually being sold by the same tobacco companies. They're the ones who own the product. So I guess people have to ask themselves what the interest of the tobacco company, companies are. It's to keep people addicted and to keep the market. And I think they also raise an important question about what other countries are doing. And if you look at all the other countries, what they're doing, they ensure that, for example, there are appropriate health warnings for e-cigarettes. They ensure that we are not marketing this product to children. Studies that are coming out of Africa showing, for example, that fruit flavors are becoming the most popular. Why? Why would a mango flavor be the most popular? Why would be candy like bubblegum flavors actually become more popular? A study just published last week by UCT actually showed that more of the population in South Africa, so I think it's important, yes, we must look outside, but within our own market, most of the people are using this as on rembers. People actually start smoking traditional cigarettes after regular vaping, and less of people actually are using them to quit smoking. So all these are particular important data, but the bill importantly is not banning e-cigarettes, but it's ensuring that we don't misinform people, they have health warnings, we ensure that like totally harmful ingredients are not part of this. So it's just controlling the market. It's not banning. And I think that's the balance that we're trying to, to strike. Because when we have kids, I think, you, I don't know if you saw the Sunday Times uh, paper, we showed that there are police people getting in with sniff dogs in high school mm. to actually search for vapes in mm. school. Headmasters are concerned that our kids are vaping. And we see e-cigarettes, for example, written spook juice. So if, if you see an e-liquid saying spook juice, if you see a mango, a bubblegum flavor, who is the target market? The bill is trying to say, yes, let the adult user use it. And even if we are allowed adult user to use it, we must ensure that there's appropriate health warnings in appropriate controlled systems. And let's avoid a system where we have kids starting to vape. That is what the bill is saying. Mm. So when we say, um, you know, there's misinformation, I would say, it is the e-cigarette industry who is misinforming people. And the whole aim there is to really try and keep up their market because it's the same industry who owns tobacco, it's the same industry who owns the e-cigarette uh, product as well. Dr. Nyatsunza, let me ask you this question. You know, the issue, of course, of, you know, making sure that people are smoking less. Um, and we understand that local tobacco manufacturers ha- have hit back. They say tighter regulations could see um, the legit the tobacco industry go up in flames. The legitimate tobacco industry go up in flames. That is, you know, the one concern that is being raised. 
No, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, we, you know, we've seen that argument all the time. But I think the first thing that I would want, to, want the public to know is that each and every year, about 10 to 14 billion of taxes comes from the um, tobacco industry. Uh, but government actually spends 42 billion rand in treating tobacco-led illnesses and in, you know, in premature pre- premature deaths. So for every one rand gained by the South African government, they actually are spending three rand forty in cleaning up the mess. And in terms of illicit trade, I think it's also important to note that SARS and even researchers at UCT have found that 80%, 8 in every 10 of the illicit cigarettes actually are coming from the same legitimate tobacco manufacturers. So it's not some cigarette made from the back door somewhere. It's just cigarettes that have not paid tax. Sometimes they are ghost exports. You know, they're declared as going to Malawi or going to the UK and they never leave the country. Or they do leave the country, but they come right back in. So definitely, yes, illicit trade is a concern. And what we need to see is, you know, things like the track and trace system to be put in place. We need to secure the supply chain. We need to know exactly where the product is coming from. Otherwise, illicit trade really, the same legitimate industry is actually involved or, you know, complicit in the illicit market. Mm. Dr. Litlape, um, you know, Dr. Nyatsanza says, you know, they will make plans or, you know, it does not necessarily mean that the illegal trade or sometimes you find that the legal trade are the ones that are selling things illegally. What do you make of that, you know, and the possibility of seeing more counterfeit goods then um, on the streets? Uh, I think what happens, it has been proven globally. But when you ban products, you then can't protect the public because you can't regulate and the market goes underground. It goes illicit. See what happened when tobacco was banned. Tobacco sales were banned during COVID. It had disastrous consequences for the fiscal. But just remember this. I am not here to protect combustible cigarettes. Mm. As harm reduction advocates, we accept that combustible cigarettes cause the greatest harm. And we are encouraging the tobacco industry to move away from those products and move to less harmful products for the health benefits of the users. Mm. But I also want to go back to the issue about youth uptake. We should be concerned about youth uptake. But we must understand that globally, there's 8 million adults that die from smoking-related deaths. There's zero deaths among youth. There was false mongering where there were deaths related to vaping of cannabis oil that was linked to nicotine falsely, something called evade. So youth uptake is a problem of anything that is harmful to the youth. We need to regulate and come up with strategies to protect the youth, educate them so that they can make informed decisions that will save their lives. Regulate. You know, in, in Europe, they have what they call the TPD, Tobacco Product Directive, which regulates the quality of the uh, devices, regulates the amount and the concentration of nicotine, the type of nicotine delivery uh, th- th- that should be out there, so that it protects the public, so that you have goods that are sound, that are not going to explode in the hands of users, etc., etc. 
regulation is critical. Mm. But regulation must be based on science, not fear. Okay? And we mm. need to educate the youth and ensure that they move away from those things. The issue about slavery, I agree with all this fancy watermelon, la la la, la la la. Let there be regulation around those issues. Let there be discussion with the relevant industries about what is necessary, what is not necessary. Mm. You go into the environments like this, like the UK, where they are using vaping. They are also concerned about youth uptake, and they are coming up with measures to deal with that aspect. Education in the schools, etc., etc. Ensuring that those that produce this, this product do not market to kids. So let's come up with regulations about advertising, about marketing, so that uh, all these things are sorted out. Mm. But when you ban stars, you are not able to protect. Look at what is happening with cannabis. Cannabis is being unbanned. We discovered that the tetrahydrocarbons are the ones that give you psychosis. Uh, the cannabinoids are the ones that might be beneficial. And we're working along those lines. So now that it is being regulated, you can research on those issues because they are not banned products. Mm. Dr. Nyatanza, I mean, education is key in this very, um, you know, in this bill and in the law that you are proposing or that government is proposing. It really is key that people are educated as to what they would be allowed to do, what they would not be allowed to do as well when it comes to smoking and vaping and the likes. Yeah, definitely education is a key component of the whole the whole process. And I want to give you an example of flavors. Here's what the bill says. The bill says, uh, you know, the minister is empowered to regulate the flavors that will be allowed. So I don't see the point of disagreement. Because right now, judging the bill and saying the bill bans such a flavor, it would be misleading and it's premature. The bill is empowering the minister to regulate e-cigarettes, not to ban them, to regulate how they are sold, where they are sold, who they are sold to, how they are packaged. I think the previous, the speaker already talked about things like making sure that there is nicotine concentration that is kept, ensuring that the, the device does not, for example, uh, explode in the child's face or in the user's face. Those are the same things that the bill wants to regulate. So at this point in time, I don't see um, how the bill is banning the product or how it's too strict on the product. It's just empowering the minister to be able to regulate. And definitely, yes, there will be public consultations, as obvious, according to the constitutional democracy. So, Dr. Um, Litape, let's then have a look at, you know, what are you then hoping will um, come out of this? We understand that, of course, the public as well will have their say, if I'm not mistaken. You, you know, we, we, we want something to come up that is rational. Okay? And, and you know, one of the other issues is that uh, these issues have to be left to an appropriate agency like SAPRA to make those determinations based on scientific evaluation and submissions that are made. You know, this issue of overburdening the minister with this, that, and that, when these are technical decisions that need to be left to a statutory body with the appropriate competences and resources to do that. So I'm not agreeing with the fact that these things need to be regulated. But let's have regulation that is going to work. Mm. Let's have an agency that is properly staffed, like SAPRA, that can do those issues and you resource it. 
Mm. What you do not want is to have applications that sit out there that are put with government that take over 20 years to be processed. Mm. So let's do things in a rational manner that's going to improve functionality. We cannot create an autocracy where everything is up to one person. You need competent agencies that deal with these issues. The Medical Research Council must come to the party Mm. on having the powers to evaluate and uh, come up with recommendations on what should happen, whether those meet the standards that have been met. Mm. So there there are a lot of issues where we don't want to create administrative bottlenecks or autocracies or things where, you know, look at now, DNA testing in, in criminal cases. We've created structures such that we can't deal efficiently with the things that need to be dealt with. So let's not create something that is not going to be workable. Let's work like a society where powers cannot be put on one person, where we create capable institutions. No, holiday. Where we create capable institutions that can do, deal with matters properly and expeditiously. And, and there must be a recognition of the fact that the different products have different degrees of harm. And that language must be there so that we know that the minister is not oblivious. This thing of saying these things are as dangerous, the, you know, the, the rhetoric that we hear from people that are going out there to speak on the bill, saying uh, e-cigarettes are even more dangerous than combustible cigarettes. Misinformation like that is going to harm society. Mm. And it cannot be part of the language of this bill. Mm. It must be based on science, not on beliefs of people. I know people in public health have done a selling job from the 60s fighting the tobacco industry. But remember this. In everything else, whoever causes harm is part of the engagement of how we're going to reduce harm. Mm. Whether it's people that are polluting the environment, we engage with them. Whether it's uh, casinos with gambling addicts, we engage with them. Whether it's uh, the alcohol industry with the high usage of alcohol, you can't say, don't talk to the industry and think you're going to find solutions to this problem. It's not going to happen. And also, let us give people truthful information so that they can make informed decisions. Mm. This should not be a matter of religion. This should not be a matter of history. It should be a matter of science, evidence, and truthful communication to members of society so that they can make informed decisions. Mm -hmm. And there should be laws that say any scientist that lies must account. Any people that misinform the public, you know, tobacco-related diseases, are the biggest cause of preventable death. But lately, what I see, misinformation seems to kill more people than tobacco or other diseases. Mm. Let's get rid of misinformation. All right, let's take a few calls. Sammy in Dobsonville, good evening to you. Can you hear me properly? Yes, Sammy, we can now, hear you. I hear that your, your other guest claiming that the FDAs declared that the, the e-cigarettes are safe which is not true. The FDA has done, a, has done a research about this. That was after this company called Jules, JWL, was established by 
two university students, two uh, Stanford University students. And they've done, they've done, like, they had a research of more than 1,200 pages. They had teenagers who appeared before the committee, before the Senate committee. There was more than 120 teenagers. They found that a single vape is an equivalent of a whole packet of cigarettes. Mm-hmm. That's number one. These teenagers had cancer. They've contracted cancer. And they also found out that this, this vaping cigarette are volatile. They are, they are, they are, far, they are way too, they are prone to, to explosion in the hands of these teenagers. That's not me. That's what the FDF found. And if you want to see it, you can go and check the New York Times documentary called The Weekly. You'll see it there. You'll see everything for yourself. It's a one hour, 30 minutes documentary. So this idea that vaping is, 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 is a, it's a, it's a healthier alternative for what, whatsoever, that is not true. The FDA has done a research. That's it. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for that, Sammy and Dobsonville. Dr. Sharon, Dr. Hosi, let me start with you, Dr. Nyatanza, because um, just, you know, speak to what we heard there from Sammy and Dobsonville, his comment. All right. So, you know, there, there are a lot of uh, uh, these new products, there are a lot of them. They are what called the heat not burn product. What the FDA found is that they are reduced exposure products, but not reduced harm. So what we mean, for example, you know, trying to simplify it, sometimes when something is less toxic, it does not equal to less uh, harm. So you might only need, for example, a, let's say one of a toxin to get harm. So even if it's reduced from five to four or to three, you still get the same harm. So that is really what the FDA decision really was about. In terms of how harmful, harm, how less harmful the products are, we still will know more in terms of long-term effects because these are newer products. It would take us longer to understand long-term effects. But I guess the challenge with e-cigarettes, which we don't have with cigarettes, is that there are so many brands of e-cigarettes. There are so many types of e-cigarettes. And sometimes the harm even depends on how worn out the device is. It can even depend on the battery type, etc., etc. So the answer really is not a simple one to give. And that is why we really are supporting the bill to say regulate you allow adult use, users to still use it, but you actually reduce the harm for the, for the younger, younger generation. All right. Dr. Litlape, would you like to give your response? Yes, I'd, I'd like to respond uh, uh, because some of the things are not stated correctly. It's correct to say that heat not ban was registered for reduced exposure. But it's now a leap of faith to go to say even though there are reduced exposure continuance, it still causes the same harm. There's no scientific basis for that statement. It's just prejudice. The truth is that we don't know what the long-term effects are, and those things should be looked into. There are people like a Professor Ricardo Poloza in Catania, in Italy, who has been doing clinical studies comparing the clinical effects of people that continue con- using combustible cigarettes, people, adults that are using heat not pan, and adults that are using e-cigarettes and monitoring their lung function. That's the science that needs to be used to be going forward. Not conjecture that says, even though there's re- reduced exposure, there's still equal harm. That is not a scientific statement. That is bias. 
that is hocus pocus. And that's why researchers should do research. And what we expect from ethical researchers is to research those questions uh, to which we do not have answers, not to propose answers based on their opinions. Do the studies and show us that this is what the study proves. That's what science does. That's what science does. Going back to the dual uh, issue, part of the problem that was ruled against dual was their marketing strategies. And they were fined over half a billion dollars for marketing to children. One of their reps went into schools and made false statements about dual. The second issue, is that is why I was referring to the tobacco product uh, derivative uh, standards from Europe, which will limit the amount of nicotine that you can put into an e-cigarette. None of that type of regulation exists in the U.S., and that's why they had high concentrations of nicotine in June with a more effective delivery system that might lead to addiction very quickly. That's where regulations are important in terms of limiting those amounts. The issue, there's never been a single incident of an exploding jewel. There are other e-cigarettes that have exploded. That's why regulations are important. So that we have products that meet the safety standards that will be put up by our medical equipment uh, authorities or mm. SADS. So, 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 so we need sound regulation based on science, not on opinion, not on conjecture. And, and, and when I say to you, I'm telling you what was presented to the parliamentary committee last week by the Department of Health, which was led by the deputy minister, mm. where allegations are being made that e-cigarettes are more dangerous than combustible cigarettes. Let us not resort to falling. You see, I'm an activist. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a researcher. But researchers must not bring the profession into disrepute by misrepresenting issues or coming up with opinions that are not based on studies. Mm. You know, That's what researchers should be doing. Put out the thing. And you know, one of the sad things is that we want a ministry that doesn't take science. So the ministry should be saying, uh, scientists that have looked at each other present your studies. Uh, National Council of Tobacco, or against tobacco, present your studies. Come here, open discussion. One of the challenges that we have today in health is not, we don't have a safe space for people on different sides to come into a room and engage each other rationally, mm. so that we can then have a consensus based on civility. So let, let our scientists, like the one that you have, engage scientists that are independent, scientists from the industry, because if it's about science, science will never lie. Mm. But there should be open and honest engagement by the different sides so that we can get truthful regulation. Mm. regulation based on science, not on factional science. Dr. Nyatanza, not you on know... science driven by billionaires that have particular views 
that fund those views. Let us go where the science takes us. Let us not uh, get science that comes to where we are. All right. Dr. Nyatanza, um, you know, the tobacco industry has also warned that the over-regulating of tobacco products will negatively impact the economy and lead to job losses. Um, what is your response? I mean, Dr. Litlape mentioned this earlier as well, you know, the issue of the economy. But what is your response to those kind of concerns? Um, so uh, definitely the tobacco industry, is. The, these are big players. I think the previous speaker was talking about let us not have let us not have science which is funded by uh, money, mm. but basically the industry definitely has an interest, and their interest is to keep making money. Um, and this has been proved. I mean, for decades and decades, how they've misled the public, how they actually have for decades even hid the evidence of the dangers of tobacco, not talking mm. about cigarettes, mm. for decades from the public just to keep making money. In terms of the economic argument, I think I've previously said that for every one rand gained by South Africa, South Africa loses three rand 40 cents. So what will happen if the tobacco control bill comes into place? If the tobacco control bill comes into place, definitely we won't see everyone dropping their cigarettes in one day or in one month or even in a few years. That really is reality. That's, re- that, that's, that, that's the reality. Mm. The whole the purpose says that over a long term, we have to see, we hope to see a reduction in smoking rates. And what happens when people don't, people don't buy cigarettes, they buy other products. And that revenue goes in, that, in those other industries. And Alternatively, actually, sorry, uh, as a result, you see that they actually start to create jobs in different sectors as well. Mm. So it's actually just a scare tactic that if we have the bill in place, we start to see the economy shaking or the economy in shambles. This has been a long, repeated argument over and over again. But I think important is Africans have to realize that they are losing more from tobacco than they actually are gaining Mm. because it causes a lot of harm on the economy, a lot of people fall sick. It's actually just inundating the public health care system. There are a lot of premature deaths. Households are losing income. They are losing even the breadwinners as well. So globally, it has been, it has been proven that the, actually the harms of tobacco outweigh any economic benefit. Hmm. Dr. Litlape, uh, you know, you hear what Dr. Nyatanza says, um, especially when it comes to the impact of the economy. and, well, and you know, I, 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 just, I just want to speak on the basis of evidence. There's this there's article that has been written by people from Sweden called Smoke Free Sweden. And just, just Google smokefreesweden.org and see what they've come up with. Now, Sweden has allowed all forms of alternatives to combustible cigarettes in their market. Snooze for 50 years, other alternatives like e-cigarettes, heat not banned uh, in the last 10, 15 years, but mainly from snooze. What have they achieved? Exactly some of the issues that she's talking about, where the Swedes have the lowest incidence of combustible cigarette use at 5.7%. End of this year, it is projected that they will reach the 5% target that is called smoke-free. 17 years ahead of any of their other European counterparts. Consequently, in Sweden, they have 40 
7% less cancer-related diseases like cancer, cardiovascular diseases than their European counterparts. And they see that the health benefits of having allowed less harmful products to be readily available to society, to be accessible, and for people to make informed decisions. But if they can't quit the nicotine habit, let them have it in a less harmful manner. And it has produced major, major public health benefits. Now, you can go read the Global Health Report. You can go to uh, small cruises in the rock. You can go in to look at the Japanese experience with them uh, introducing hip not ban, what it has done, the use of tobacco, including the hip not ban product, have gone down. Consumption of combustible cigarettes has declined drastically since 2015. So, so you know, we should not bury our heads in the sand. And what we should ensure is that, you know, when people get confused, they go back to handling themselves on false information. The FCTC is great. Empower works. And those issues should continue to be implemented for combustible cigarettes. People should be encouraged uh, to quit if they can. If they can't quit, they must switch to less harmful products. There must always be emphasis of trying to help people to quit the nicotine habit. What we cannot do is to try scale mongering. Let us base our policies on what we know, not on what we don't know. Mm. And commission research on the things that we need answers to. Mm. Dr. Nyatanza, um, my final question then would go to you. For those who, you know, would like more information about this very law, um, what is the process now going forward? Yes, uh, so this law actually uh, was introduced before the Portfolio Committee on Health. Mm. So the portfolio actually will actually call for public comments going forward. And obviously even it will even go to the provinces or public comments as well uh, will be actually advertised. Mm. So there definitely is going to be more uh, engagement with the public around this law so they definitely can make uh, comments going further. Uh, but I think it is important I think just one on one note since e-cigarettes was really the highlight of the show is just to remember that the bill does not ban the product. You know I even heard about Sweden and I was so curious and I went to look at the Swedish law, where you cannot vape in Sweden, you can, where you cannot smoke cigarettes, you cannot vape in Sweden. Sweden's e-cigarettes have health warnings. Sweden's e-cigarettes have a maximum nicotine content on them. Sweden e-cigarette companies are, in, are not even allowed to sponsor or to advertise freely as they wish. And these are some of the things that our very own bill is trying to do. So the bill is basically trying to stop the kids from starting to smoke. I think we've seen a lot of this in you know our schools. There are a lot of you know parents calling in, principals calling in, worried about the rising number of kids starting to smoke. So the bill is trying to stop the kids from starting, and it still will allow adults to use them, but in a controlled environment. Mm. Thank you so much, Dr. Sharon Nyatanza, National Council from the National Council Against Smoking. Thank you for your time this can, evening. Can I just say that? Um, yeah. Yes, briefly can for I, me, can please. I say that, uh, I'm, 
uh, briefly for me, yes. one of the things that we have not talked about is the fact that there's now an intention to criminalize smoking, which is really going backwards and taking behaving uh, like an apartheid government, where a young person might end up with a criminal conviction for having smoked in the wrong place. And, and, and you know, that means you would be destroying that life forever. Because once you have a criminal record, your life is done. Can't get a job, can't travel, can't go to university. And, and I find it horrifying that a government that comes from where it comes from would now come to criminalize a heritage. And that, I find extremely concerning. Mm, all right. Dr. Jose Litlape, we've run out of time. We've run out of time, Dr. Litlape. Thank you so much for your contribution this evening. The president of Africa Harm Reduction Alliance. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.